bulletin. Stay up to date with everything that's going on. The website has all the information there as well of all things that are ahead. So let's take our Bibles here this evening. Let's go to the book of Philippians in chapter number three as we continue on in our series uh, in the book of Philippians. I've enjoyed this study. It is a wonderful uh, look at uh, joy and rejoicing is dependent on us knowing Christ. And the whole book of Philippians is mainly about this, that I may know Him. Amen. The power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. So Philippians chapter number 3, and uh, we're going to start reading there in verse number 15. Galatians in chapter number 3. If you're able to, let's stand together uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 15. Let's uh, actually start reading there in verse number 10. Now we can kind of get the flow of thought here. <clears throat> that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already and notice this word he uses here, perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the high price, uh, excuse me, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, look at verse number 15, the pronoun shift here and the use of words. Paul, up to this point, has been saying, I, 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 me, 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 and he's giving a personal testimony. Now he looks at the Philippian believers and he says this, Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. We're going to preach here tonight on this, be perfect and continue. Be perfect and continue. May God bless the reading of His Word. You can be seated. And thank you for standing in honor of the Scriptures here this evening. You had a good week so far? Well, that's a blessing. Anybody have any rough weeks so far? Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm willing to testify on that one. Uh, sometimes we have rough weeks uh, and rough days. And just to encourage you here this evening uh, in this way, don't quit, right? You're on the, you're the Wednesday night crowd. You're, you're here on a Wednesday night. I understand the sacrifice that that takes. Don't ever take that for granted. Uh, many of you all have had long work days, or you've had doctor's appointments, or you've had stuff going on all day long. You've had kids, you've been running from here, there, and everywhere, and you chose to be here tonight. Never want to take that for granted. And obviously, just want to encourage you, uh, don't quit. Don't, don't give up. Continue and keep going. Uh, that's not true just of maybe a church attendance, but if we could broaden that out to the whole Christian life. It gets really easy to quit sometimes. Throw in the towel, say, I'm done with this, it's too difficult, it's too hard. I want to encourage you tonight, don't quit, continue and keep going. Uh, there's a 2006 uh, film 
Uh, we actually showed it to our teenagers when we did a movie night up here uh, some months ago called Facing the Giants. Has anybody ever seen that movie before? Okay, a good number of people. If you haven't, that's okay. You're not missing out on terribly much. But uh, there's a movie, is a, a Christian faith-based film called Facing the Giants, kind of a low-budget film that actually is, is very good. They, they put it together. It's a very good film. And uh, there's one part of the movie that most people remember. It's just very powerful. Uh, there's a kid on the team that's kind of a Debbie Downer. You know, he's constantly being negative about everything. But he's also a leader. And so people look at that and they say, well, if he's down on this and if he thinks we're not going to do good, then why should I think we're going to do good? So the coach pulls him aside and says, hey, you're a leader. You need to be this. And so they do this military type crawl with a guy on his back. And he blindfolds him, and he encourages him to go a certain distance. Well, unbeknownst to the guy, he doesn't let him stop at that distance. He tells him just to keep going, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. And before long, he does the entire distance of the football field, and the whole team's just awe-inspired about what this guy's just done. Now, what's so powerful about it is, is the guy who's playing the coach in this scene is just down there just screaming, Don't quit! Keep going. Don't quit. And the player's there, but it hurts. It burns. I want to give up. And he's like, no, you're going to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Now, uh, sometimes we need that in our life. <laughs> but he's somebody who says, keep going. Yeah. And we say, well, it burns. I want to quit. Keep going, right? And we need that encouragement. And just like kind of in that film, one of the reasons why sometimes we need to keep going is because there are others who are looking at our faith and if we fail, there's kind of a domino effect that can be there. And Paul looks at these believers, he says this, I know you have persecution. Okay, Philippi, this is where Paul almost got put to death for being a believer. This is not a uh, hospitable environment to the gospel. It's very, quite inhospitable. It's quite aggressive and quite a bit of persecution that's happening there. And so Paul is looking at it, he says, listen, I know it's not easy. I know it's difficult to be a believer. I know it's hard to be a gospel-living and gospel-preaching Christian. But I'm going to give you this encouragement. Don't quit. Keep going. Continue. Be perfect. And so he's been looking at himself, if you will, giving a personal testimony. But now he flips the script on the Philippians and he says, I want you to keep going. I can kind of give you a little bit of encouragement in this light here tonight. Uh, here's the sermon. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep striving for perfection. Keep attempting to be everything God inspires and wants you to be. So just by way of review, because we're kind of in the middle of a thought in the book, and we just kind of keep taking little bites and pieces out of it, okay? Every week's kind of a to-be-continued. So since it's been a couple weeks since we've been here, if you'll remember, uh, Paul, in this particular passage of Scripture, uh, he gives a very interesting telling there in verse number 1 of chapter 3 where he goes through and he starts to point out some people that didn't have the Philippians' uh, best interest in mind. In verse number 2, he actually calls them dogs, evil workers, the concision, literally means the cutters, the mutilators. He's talking about a group of people called the Judaizers. Now, if you'll remember, these group of individuals said this, Jesus is good in everything, but you need Jesus and works in order to be right with God. 
The book of Romans, Paul would describe it this way. Frustrating grace. Making it where grace is not enough, you've got to sprinkle works on top of it in order to be right with God. And so Paul shows up here and he says, listen, you need to beware. There, there are people out there who want to grieve and frustrate the freedom you have in Christ and salvation. I love in verse number 3, of course, he talks about this idea. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. He's saying this, listen, you don't need any works. God saved you by faith. And that's all it requires in order to be saved. That's still true today. The way anybody gets saved is by belief in Jesus Christ. Not by works, lest any man should boast. You don't do anything in order to be saved except for put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse number 4, Paul begins this explanation of his own personal testimony. He says, if the way a person gets saved is by doing good works, then I got you all beat. Because I, he lists off eight things, and he goes through and he goes, I'm of good stock, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, I'm a Pharisee, I've got all this pedigree. And he says this, I've got all this stuff that if I were to look at it and say, look how good of a believer I am, then I got you all beat. I am the guy of the guys. But I love what Paul says. He says, the things I used to have in my gang column, the things I used to count as they were so valuable, he used to walk around and go, that's right, look at me. And he's strutting his stuff and looking at all this huge pedigree. He says, the things that were in my gang column, I moved over to my lost column, not because their value changed, but because I saw what their value truly was. And he has such harsh language about this, which I won't revisit that, but he calls it dung. There's, there's nothing about dung that is inherently valuable. And so Paul says this, I realized what I was strutting around and saying, oh yeah, look at me, was poo. I was proud because of dung. And he says, I saw what it was really worth and all of my works were filthy rags. They had no value. They had no worth. So he realized this, in order to achieve the excellency of Christ... In order to have faith in Jesus and experience true salvation in Jesus Christ, I had to let go of all of what I was holding on with my works, and I had to just have Jesus. If you're here tonight and you never trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, no amount of good works is going to get you there. No amount of doing, no amount of paying, no amount of getting wet in the baptistry, no amount of who your family is. And Paul realized pedigree and works and who his family was was all dung. There was no value to it. What did he say was valuable? Jesus. So he said, here's what it was. He said, somebody was coming hard after me so that they could apprehend me. And that person was Jesus Christ. Now, whether we would like to admit it or not, we were not pursuing God. God was pursuing us. And so we love him, book of 1 John says, because he first loved us. Paul was on his way to persecute and kill Christians, and then a bright light shone around about him. What grace. He talked about a loving God. And he showed up and he goes, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You know, why, are you, why are you going after me? Why do you hate my name? 
And Paul had a choice right then when he was confronted with the truth. Jesus is God. Paul had a choice at that moment, didn't he? Amen. Submit to that and be saved or hold on to his righteousness and be lost. Yep. And Paul at that moment, his eyes, the scales as it were, fell off. And he said this, I realize all of what I'd been holding on to was worthless and Jesus was everything. And what he had been pursued by was Jesus Christ. So here's what Paul says. Now Paul's spending the rest of his life pursuing that which pursued him. He uses the word, I'm trying to apprehend that for which I was apprehended by. Jesus got me. Now I want more of him. So Paul's whole philosophy about this was, what can I move that is selfishness and sinfulness and self-righteousness and pride that still exists in my life? What can I move from the gain column to the loss column so that I might know him more intimately? Not be saved more, but know him more intimately. That's what he says. The whole crux of the whole book is this, that I may know him. He says, well, what does that look like? Well, I want to know the, the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Well, again, we talked about some of these things a couple weeks ago. You talk about power. The power of God is no better demonstrated than when Jesus resurrected from the dead. You talk about power in a believer's life. If Jesus can do that, I want to tap into that stuff. You talk about the fellowship of the suffering. What's that? Well, we are more like Jesus in our lowest moments of suffering than at any other point in our life. We hate it. <laughs> I, I tell you, be careful if you ever come down to the altar and you're like, Jesus, help me learn patience and help me be more like you. And, and if you start praying those things... <laughs> They're good things to pray for, but just know this, the way in which God brings about those growth in our life, the way he describes it in the Bible many times is this, the fuller's soap, the refiner's fire, they're not really enjoyable experiences, but the end result is worth it, Amen. right? Amen. There's heat and there's pressure and there's difficulty applied to our life. So Paul said this, I want to know you and knowing you means this, I want to I be acquainted with the fellowship of your suffering. Because it's in those moments that I know you most intimately. And so Paul says, this is, this is my testimony, this is my life. So he then goes on this, I'm marking something. There's something I'm achieving for and I haven't reached it yet. I'm not perfect. I, I, I haven't attained to it is what he says. But he says, I'm pressing toward a mark. He says, I want that so bad. And I, I've set up a mark saying this. I want to know him more intimately and I want to know him more passionately. And, and it's in those moments of knowing him that true joy and rejoicing are found. So Paul is hard after that mark and he's pressing toward it. But then in verse 15, he flips the script. He goes from I, me. Well, let's just look at it here in these verses. I kind of tried to emphasize it while we were going through this. <clears throat> but look there in... Uh, Verse number 11, he says, if by any means I might attain, verse number 12, not as though I had already, about halfway down to verse number 12, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend. Verse number 13, brethren, I count myself not to. Verse 14, I press toward the mark. So Paul here is saying this, since verse number 4, he's been given his testimony, hasn't he? There are a group of people out there that want to steal your joy by saying Jesus isn't enough. I used to be that person until I realized all what I thought was so valuable was nothing but a pile of poo. I moved it to the lost column 
and I experience the excellency of Christ, and now I am spending my entire life pressing toward that mark, Jesus. I want more of Him. So now he flips the script, and he looks at the believers that are there, and he says, let us, therefore. Let us. Well, what is this let us have to do with? Well, <clears throat> this might seem confusing. I'll try to do a little bit of work here so that we can understand this. But he says this, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Well, doesn't that just bless your heart? Because he just said in one of the previous verses here, that he was not perfect. In verse number 12, is Paul talking out of both sides of his mouth here? Because Paul just said, I'm not perfect. Let all of us that are perfect. Well, Paul, you just said you aren't perfect. If you're not perfect, then I'm not perfect. And if you want all the perfect people to do this, then I don't fit in that category. Okay, I know we're not all Greek scholars here tonight, and the English says the same word twice, but those are two different Greek words. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. The first one has to do with this, coming to completion, the end of the race. So what Paul was saying in the first thing when he says that he's not yet perfect is he's saying this, I haven't finished my race yet. I haven't come to the end of being Christ-like completely like I need to be. So the word that's used down here in verse number 15, as many of us to be perfect, the word there literally means to be mature. So Paul, in addressing them here, is he's not saying all those have reached a point of completion and perfection, and there's nothing wrong with them. He's saying this, for the people that want to be like Jesus, the people who have grown enough in their Christian faith that they are apprehending Christ, they're on this journey of pressing toward the mark. He said, let us, as many as be perfect, as many as be mature, as many who have realized that they need the pursuit of Jesus Christ. You see the, the difference here? Paul's saying, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not all the way there yet. And then he looks at them and he says, as many as be perfect, as many of you as are striving for the same thing that I'm striving for, that are striving to be complete, to reach the end of the finish line. So he said, as many as are believers that are in pursuit of Jesus Christ, in hot pursuit of him. So, he tells them that they need to strive for Christ, press toward the mark, know him. He says that in verse number 16, he says, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. He says, listen, I understand, we're thinking the same thing here. Our minds are thinking in the same way. Let, let, let's think about this. We are all pressing towards the mark of Jesus. We're all striving towards that. We're trying to apprehend that for which we were apprehended. We want to know the power of his resurrection. We want to know the fellowship of his suffering. So have this mind in you. He also tells them that they have not already attained. That's something that they hadn't happened, just like hadn't happened in his life. The ground you've already covered pursuing Christ, keep going. You're on the right track, so don't stop. Keep going on the same pathway. It's a, a tragic thing when you're going on a trip and the GPS keeps going rerouting. Yep. That ever happened to anybody? And usually the first three or four times it does it, I go, that thing doesn't know what it's talking about. I know where I'm going. <laughs> on our way home from camp <clears throat> this year, 
Somehow we missed a turn, and my phone started barking at me, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Gary, did we miss a turn? He goes, no, we didn't miss a turn. I think we missed a turn. We didn't miss a turn. They were in front of us. I'm trying to call them on the phone. Finally get a hold of them. We're like 30 minutes out of the way by that point. 15 maybe. 10 minutes. It was more than that. But part of you says, it starts to say rerouting. You say, listen, it's a terrible thing when you come to the realization, I've been on the wrong route. I'm on the wrong path. Sometimes I'm thankful in the Christian life, we have those aha moments where we're like, I'm heading on the wrong path here, and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So Paul here, he's saying this, if you're going down the right path, keep going down the same path. It's what he says in verse number 16, nevertheless, whereto we have not already attained. Or, excuse me, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. So he's saying this, you've already gotten this far, so go to the next via point. You've already gotten this far into the journey. You're on the right path. Keep going down the right track. Because what happens in our Christian life is we make it a certain distance and we're heading in the right direction. But if you've been a Christian any length of time, you start down that track far enough and you start to realize this is hard. Sometimes people in church don't act like church people should. I've been in church my whole life. I've been in ministry now for over a decade. I realize this. Sometimes people who are supposed to love Jesus don't love Jesus' people very much. And they could be a little hurtful, a little little ugly towards other believers. Sometimes I've been that way. I say this. Church hurt is very real, isn't it? Man, if, if you come to church probably longer than like a month, you're going to experience some of that. Sometimes to a very heavy degree. I've seen it before. Sometimes people can be ugly. People can be unthoughtful, very unkind. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're continue, going down a journey, Satan would love to do everything he can to put things in your path to make it where you go, I'm through with this. Done. Sin. I've seen people who are struggling with sin. They're trying to overcome it, trying to achieve righteousness in their life, right? They want to be through with it. It just seems like that gnawing temptation, that gnawing thing that keeps coming back at them over and over and over again. They want to get rid of it. And they're continuing. They're trying to be what God wants them to be. And finally, they just say, I'm tired of fighting this. I'm just done. They just give up on it. Listen, I've seen people do that with substance. I've seen people do that with addictions. I've seen people do that with relationships where they just finally say, they just give in to the sin and say, I'm tired of fighting it. And there's a reason Paul looks at young Timothy in 1 Timothy and he says, fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because we're in a battle. We're in a race. We're in a wrestling match. I mean, these are terms that Paul uses and the Lord Jesus Christ uses to describe what the Christian walk is all about. Put on the whole armor of God. Be a good soldier. I mean, these languages that are used there is this attitude. When you start down this road of the Christian faith and you begin to to apprehend Christ for which you've been apprehended, know this, there's going to be pitfalls and heartaches and difficulties along the way. And for all the prosperity gospels that are out there, that's just like, it's going to be peaches and cream. And and you're just going to be rich and happy and everything's going to be wonderful. They lied. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, take up your cross. Follow me. If they persecuted me, they'll do you too. I mean, not trying to be a Debbie Downer here in gloom and doom. 
Because Paul understood this, to know the power, to know Jesus, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, to pursue him. Although it's difficult, Paul also understood this. It's the only thing that's worth having in your gang column. Amen. Everything else is lost but Jesus. And so he understood this, the more I can have of him, it's, it's more joy, it's more rejoicing, it's everything to have more of Jesus. And I submit to you even here tonight, the road may be difficult, but anything that is worth having will cost you something. And to know Him intimately and to have a passionate walk with Jesus Christ, the road there may be littered with difficulties and hardships and tears and the fellowship of His suffering. But I'm telling you, that distant point of being perfect before Him is so worth it. I have never regretted ever once in my life when I denied the easy route and my flesh and what was comfortable in pursuit of Jesus because it's always worth it to get more Jesus, Amen. to know Him more intimately. And Paul's looking at these believers and saying this, listen, you've already gotten this far. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up on God. Be perfect. Continue. Keep moving. Yeah. I encourage you here tonight, don't quit. Keep going. Pursue Jesus Christ. Well, so-and-so did something that hurt me. Welcome to the club. We're, we're a bunch of sinners who sometimes do sinner things to each other. But that's not who Jesus is. That's not what His church is meant to be. <clears throat> Don't let the difficulties on the route detract you from pursuit of Jesus being perfect before him. Look, look at this. We kind of breeze through verse number 15, looked at verse 16 there. <clears throat> he says at the end of verse number 15, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. <clears throat> if you get off track, God will show you. Amen. If you get off course, God in his word, God through his preaching and God and the Holy Spirit will say this, rerouting. Because I've experienced that before, and you probably have too. He says this, God will help you move in the right direction. If you have faulty and wrong thinking about Christ's likeness and what sanctification looks like, but you're trying to be more like Him, God will correct your thinking. I think back to times when I was a teenager. I was so bullheaded about some things, very prideful at times. But I can honestly say this, I was trying to be like Jesus. And even though I had some wrong thinking, I'm thankful God brought uh, mentors and good Bible preaching preachers in my life and brought the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that helped direct me away from some of those toxic thoughts and wrong ways of thinking about what Christ's likeness was. But in pursuit of Him, He helped me get on the right track and move where I needed to be. And I'm thankful God will do the exact same thing for you. Let me help you out here. There might be some new believers that are here. and You might not have it all figured out, but if you'll just be in pursuit of Jesus, He'll help you. This church will help you. This pastor will help you. The Word of God will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. Get where you need to be. If you have a heart for righteousness, you'll get where you need to be in pursuit of Him. But also, those of us that are a little mature in our walk with the Lord, let us be gracious to those that are new believers. Because God was very gracious towards us when we were heading down the wrong path sometimes. 
in pursuit of righteousness and God helped us kind of get where we needed to be? Well, they're not listening to the right kind of music. Well, God maybe help them get where they need to be with that. Well, they don't know how they're supposed to act in church. And all. Well, is that really the most important thing? You know, sometimes we have to be mindful that as a family of God, we be gracious toward the faults of others, loving towards others, and helping people develop in their Christian life. Uh, boy, what a direction. What a loving God Amen. that He would help us move where we need to move with that. And so let me look at one last thing here, and we'll kind of land the plane with this uh, here this evening. <clears throat> he mentions there in verse number 16 about walking the same rule, minding the same thing. <clears throat> and, and of course the idea that he's already been talking about is like running. <clears throat> Paul says that he had put a mark up there. And he says, I'm pressing toward that mark, Christ-likeness. I want to know him more intimately. And he says, walk the same way as I'm talking about walking and mind the same thing, be of the same mindset as what I'm talking about. Uh, if I encourage you, his, his thought here is kind of running. <clears throat> what I, I've learned from running is that there, unfortunately, I've done that a few times in my life. Um, I've learned this, keeping your own lane helps a lot. Set your eyes on the prize. And finish the race before you start another one. And I think Paul's trying to hit all of those points here simultaneously. Where he's saying this, mark where you need to be heading. Run in that direction. Keep your eyes on the prize. Stay in your lane. Because when we start to compare ourselves with other people, that's a dangerous thing. Stay in your lane and just be everything God wants you to be in pursuit of Him and Christ-likeness. And, and move toward the goal God wants you to be involved in. So the question is here, how do I continue? Let me give you a couple things here, thought real quick. <clears throat> Paul, of course, wanted to know Christ more intimately. How do you do that? Amen. <clears throat> For somebody who says, I want to know more about Jesus and never opens their Bible, I'll say this, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because <laughs> yeah. there is only one way that you're going to learn more about who God is and learn more of Him, and it's right here in this book. The more you read, study, and love this book, the more you'll know Him. Yeah. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As a newborn babe, desire the sincere miracle of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. We had a big, long series about prayer. I, I think, you know, oh, Bible and prayer. Well, come on, these are landmarks of the Christian yeah. faith. We've got to get these down. And maybe it is we're going through the prayer series, your prayer life is like, oh, wow, this is going good, and now we've kind of been off of that for a couple months and you're like Foo-woo, and it's kind of fallen off i encourage you here spend some time with your heavenly father Amen. not just the quick one-off prayers not just coming to ask him for things but intimately desiring to know him and to be known of him man just wonderful times of prayer second corinthians 13 9 says for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Maturity is made in those weak moments of prayer. Okay, <clears throat> Another thing here, follow good examples of godliness. Paul here is kind of pointing to himself, and then he's saying, you all do like I'm doing. It, sometimes it's a good thing in a church of this size also. You can mark perfect men. It's another passage of Scripture where he talks about marking individuals and looking at them and saying, I don't know everything I'm supposed to be doing, but they seem like they've got it together, and so I'm just going to kind of do what they do. 
That, that's, a, that's a good practice as a new believer. Maybe you're new to the faith or you don't understand everything there is about Christianity and what you're supposed to be doing. Do this. Find someone in this church that loves the Lord, is faithful to the house of God, and actually is in pursuit of Jesus, and just do what they do. Follow their example. Mark those perfect men. And then this, this is probably one we don't like very much, but the fourth thing would be this. Continuing in Christ, understand this, there will be trials. Don't think it's strange when you endure fiery trials. That's what James said. Peter said something similar. Jesus said the same thing. Paul says the same thing. Listen, in this Christian life, you will suffer persecution, trials, and difficulties. Know that they're going to come and understand this. They are meant to try and strengthen your faith. They are not meant to deter you from the path of Christ. So in those trials, a great thing to pray is this. God, I don't understand this, but whatever you're trying to do, I'm on board with your plan. And I not, might not fully understand it right now, and I might not ever understand it. But I do know this, you're trying to do something and will you accomplish it quickly? <laughs> will you do it thoroughly the first time so we don't have to push repeat on this? I mean, these are honestly good things to pray and come before God say, I know there's going to be trials and I'm, God's trying to work out the wrinkles in you, right? Because when you get saved, we become a new creature, but we still have a lot of wrinkles and problems and God pulls out the iron and says, let's fix some of these things. And begins to work on us. And there's heat and there's pressure and there's trials. And through those things, God wants to make us better. And say this, I want that because I want to be more like Him. Amen. So in, embrace those trials. Don't run from them. And say this, that's how we continue. That's how we be perfect is to do those things. Let's all stand as we come to a time of invitation here tonight.